0: Hi, I'm Ben Field and this is the Hillsong Film and TV Podcast.
1: It's been said that it takes about seven positive interactions with your movie to ultimately get somebody to say, I'm going to see that. You're competing with a lot of things and to get people up out of their couch and get in the car and drive down there and park and uh, buy tickets, it's, it's a commitment. I've marketed 450 films in the last 17 years and there's always ones that you love that for whatever reason audiences or critics or both don't respond to and it's just, it's heartbreaking because it's years of people's lives. The model of Disney movies now is it's not just the movie, it's how many plush toys are we gonna sell? What's the ride at the park gonna look like, right? It's not the movie, it's all of the ancillary items that come with it, it's a whole big brand.
0: That was Hollywood marketing guru, John Bach, who began his career at Warner Brothers prior to founding Grace Hill Media, a groundbreaking company who today bridges the gap between Hollywood movie studios and the faith community. He's recently become a best-selling author and is a close personal friend of mine. I know this podcast is going to help you as John brings amazing insights into the world of marketing. Hey John, thanks for joining me. Happy to be here, thank you. We're here in your home, here in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm interested to to know, how did you get started
1: in the industry? Can you remember that far back? Uh, That was, yeah, back in... Back after World War One, uh, no, I got I got started. I was um, I, I grew up in Los Angeles, and I went to school on the East Coast of the United States. And while I was in college, I was a, actually a religion major uh, of all things. And while I was there, I, I, I was in a comedy improv group. Right, and like every, uh, my get to my senior year, and like. Uh, Pretty much anyone who ever goes to university, your immediate thought is like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? (laughs) And I was like, hmm, what do I like doing? You know what I like doing? I like sitting in a room with a bunch of other people coming up with jokes. So what job will let me do that? (laughs) Kind of just like this comedy improv group. And I landed on sitcom writing. So as soon as I was done with college, I moved back to Los Angeles with the intention of being a sitcom writer, and I was. I ended up writing some scripts and getting a writing partner and uh, being on some shows. And uh, and then I had um, an exp- two experiences. One, I broke up with my writing partner, which is essentially like starting all over again right. in that business. And my father died rather suddenly, 59 years old, stupid reason. I mean, it was like, just died. And suddenly the world wasn't so funny anymore. And I remember saying to him, Kelly, my wife, like, I know I can do this. I just don't want to anymore. I just don't think that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I ended up getting a job in the publicity department at Warner Brothers and had no interest in publicity, no interest in marketing, not, nothing, not interested in it at all. It was just took like a place to hang my hat while I kind of figured out what to do next. And while I was there, we had some movies that were coming out, one of them like the Tom Hanks movie, The Green Mile. And I said to my boss at the time, who was the head of publicity, hey, I think people who go to church would really like these movies that we have coming out. You should hire some company that markets to people who go to church, reaches out to pastors and things like that. And she said, great idea. Let's, let's find that company. And we looked everywhere. And there was nobody doing it. And, of course, the, the numbers of people who go to church in the U.S., are. they're just extraordinary they're gaudy right there's like 300 plus thousand churches there's 2,000 Christian radio stations and I remember thinking to myself like nobody's sending these people like hats and t-shirts and inviting them right. to screenings or it's crazy how is nobody marketing anything to these people and so I ended up putting together a proposal and asking uh, Warner Brothers to let me leave and hire me back as the consultant to do this and in the absence of anybody else doing it they said, Okay, and so here I was. All of a sudden, I went from like essentially getting coffee for people to three weeks later, I'm in meetings with like the heads of the studio and the producers of these movies, and they turn to me and said, "Now, John, you're the expert on reaching the religious market. What do you think we should do?" So I am. Uh, I'm living proof that you can have neither looks nor talent and still make it in Hollywood.
0: <laughs> and so that company today is called Grace Hill Media.
1: Yes, um, and they're
0: responsible for marketing many films uh, to the faith-based community.
1: Um, What else does um, Grace Hill Media do? Well, that's our primary bread and butter is marketing film and television to people who go to church. So we do anywhere from like 12 to 20 projects a year, just depending on what it is. Um, And then we have also dipped our toe into producing things as well. So we have a little production arm as well. So, what has kept you in it still today after all these years? For all of the challenges and the hard parts of this, it's still it's great, right? I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's, you're, you're making movies and television, yeah. and uh, it's not digging ditches, it's walking down red carpets and uh, making content that people, even years after it comes out, will come up and go, Oh, I loved that movie. It changed my life. It's 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 magical, yeah. you know, When and when it works, um, you take a room of 300 people who don't know each other at all and then you take them on this journey together and they're like laughing and high-fiving and crying together and they're on this, it's, you know, it's a lot like church in, to some degree, right? It's like room full of individuals who don't know each other having a transformational communal experience has a lot of the same themes and vibes to it. So
0: you feel good, right, when you see the reaction in people? Is there a moment been where you've marketed or been a part of a long process of a film and it's just driven straight into the ground and nothing's happened?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've worked on dozens of films that way. I mean, look, we've, I've marketed 450 films in the last 17 years and um, there's always ones that you love that for whatever reason, audiences or critics or both, um, just don't respond to and uh, people uh, stay away in droves as they like to say and uh, and it's just it's heartbreaking because you 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 work so hard on these things you yeah. work so hard on them and it's years of people's lives and mm. Years of uh, you know money invested and time invested, and it all comes down to you know essentially a period of four weeks where a, m- a movie lives or dies in the box office, and then everything, um, all the ancillary stuff after that comes right mm. after it, and you you work so hard and it just falls flat. It's yeah. it's the worst.
0: So marketing a film often is as tricky as making the film. Run me through that, because I think for many filmmakers, they think, I have this amazing story. Uh, but from a marketing point of view and a distribution point of view, how tough
1: is it to market a film? Yeah, I think I think most filmmakers, and it's not surprising that they would think of it this way, they, they think the story is uh, the most important thing. And, and it is. I mean, ultimately, you have nothing to market if you don't have... Um, you know, a, a good and, and compelling story. Yeah. I mean, the, you need a product to be able to sell the product. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's only half of the equation. I mean, the reality is, is that when they, when they used to market films, they'd do like whistle-stop tours where, they, where they'd take it, to a, take it to a town and uh, put it in the theater, and they'd let it sit there for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. But that in, was in a world where there were a lot more screens and a lot less content. So, you could afford to take the time to let those things happen. And that's just not the case anymore. Now, it costs as much to market the film as it costs to make the film. Disney is a great example of this, where, I mean, the, the, the model of Disney movies now is it's not just the movie, it's how many plush toys are we going to sell. What's the what's the ride at the park right. going to look like, right? It's not the movie, it's all of the ancillary items that come with it. It's a whole big brand. If it's not if it doesn't open well, then people don't want to ride the ride and buy the plush toy and all that stuff and and the investment they put, they could lose a billion dollars like overnight if it if it doesn't do well. And that's why that's such a high-risk business because if you're Disney, you know you're you're not hitting singles and doubles. You're trying for grand slam home runs every single right. time, and you've in, you've invested three hundred million dollars in making the movie, and then once you've tried to open this thing in territories all over the world, almost at the exact same time, you're spending several hundred million dollars more. And so, it opening and it doing well, even if it's not a great movie. Uh, it becomes paramount to everything else that's coming uh, downriver for this.
0: So as a marketer, the way that you market and where you see how to communicate to audiences, what do you think they're thinking at that point in time and what are they investing into when we're asking them to go to see your movie?
1: Yeah. Well, especially when it comes to film, Uh, a little less so with television and things like that, um, which the commitment level is a lot a lot smaller, right? You can sort of just click it on, and if you mm-hmm. like it, great. If you don't, oh, well. But to go to a theater and make the decision like, hey, let's go to the movies on Friday night, it's a, it's a, for most people, it's a $100 at least decision, right? Because especially if you like a family or even if you're leaving the kids at home and uh, you know, you're know you going to have a date night with your wife, well, I need a babysitter, Right, and we also need to uh, grab some dinner, and then there's parking, of course, and then uh, you know there's the tickets, and then you want a popcorn, yeah, and uh, Jujubee's great. Okay, super, like all of that starts to add up, and it becomes quite an investment, right? Yeah, and so the the days of just walking up to uh, the box office and go, oh, huh, what's playing? Oh, that's not playing. Oh, great. You, know, you, don't, you don't do that anymore. Right. It's too big of an investment now of your time and your money. And uh, you know, the competition is not other movies. It's everything else, right. right? It's the game I could watch instead or the bottle of wine we could open or the whatever, this book yeah. that I'm reading, right? You're, you're competing with a lot of things. And to get people up out of their couch and get in the car and drive down there and park and Mm -hmm. and uh buy tickets it's it's a commitment and so it's been said that it takes about seven positive interactions with your movie to ultimately get somebody to say i'm going to see that right Right? so could be like oh i love brad pitt he's great right that helps Mm -hmm. right and then seeing him on the today show that's great too Right, and the funny commercial that you saw or the trailer that you saw in a theater four months ago and that made me laugh and that looks cute. And then the interview that you read about him in GQ uh, that's nice too, and I also like that director. And uh, We're only to f- five things, right. by the way, yeah. <laughs> right? And then ultimately, probably what pushes it over the top is that you're at the coffee maker at work, and somebody goes, "Oh yeah, I saw it this week. So great, right?" I mean, right. it's the it's what you hear from other people, or what yeah. you read online, or things like that. So all of those interactions become critical, and and just one of them not working, fall it can all fall apart, right? Right. Um, you you can see him on the Today Show and he's a jerk, right? And you're like, ugh, I didn't like that, right? <laughs> or you watch, you know, you saw the trailer four months ago and it looked funny then, but maybe it had a glass of wine and it looked funny, right? Right. But now you saw the commercial while you're getting dressed and it didn't make you laugh and you're like, eh, dud. Right. And it's over. It's yeah. over that fast. Yeah. And so um, you know, all of these elements are are working together. It's like a first date, right? Like. You, you need the dinner to be good, you need there not to be traffic, I needed to show up on time, I need to smell nice. I mean, all of these things right. that, you know, they're all sort of working together and any one of them, uh, oh, he picked his nose. Oh. <laughs> and that's the end. Yeah. It's, it's over that fast. Right. So in respects to that then for
0: filmmakers starting out or maybe been on the journey for a while and still trying to figure out how to make that winning film, in your mind, what do studios, distributors look
1: for well the early days of Hollywood the people who were the people greenlighting the movie were filmmakers they were in love with film mm-hmm. and now the greenlight process for most studios is it's a committee and it's it's not just the guy at the head of the studio it's the marketing people and the business affairs people and the, you know it's a it's a whole litany of people who get to speak into the process because it's such a complicated alchemy of how to do this. And I think one of the mistakes that a lot of young filmmakers make is that they don't think through the process like a studio thinks through the process, right? They just think, well, I've got this great story about this guy and his life has changed. And okay, that's great. But they're also thinking, like, what's the log line of this? What's the 30-second commercial of this? What's the two-minute trailer look mm. like like this? What's China? Going to think of this. They're thinking globally about how these things are going to pan out because they're in a global business. So one of the things that filmmakers uh, could really learn from is thinking through it through the lens of your audience—not that just the people sitting in the theater. Like that's good, but the people who are buying this most of the time they're thinking, "How am I going to sell this thing?" Right? They're not—they're not saying this is a story that just has to be told. They're thinking, "How can I make money?" Of how can I get return get return on my investment for this And so thinking through what's the 30 second commercial for this look like before you try and make the film before you try and uh, like that's a critically important element because how many, how many times think of, think of your own entertainment choices that you make, right? Y- you make snap decisions. You're sitting in the theater, you watch the trailer and you go well that's one to miss or yeah oh, that looks so good. to yeah. go see that yeah. right? You're making decisions based on commercials and uh, those kinds of things. And so having to think through that on the front end before you try and go out to sell it is very wise. When you talk about the
0: ingredients of a film, um, obviously a great story is one of them, um, talent. Is there anything
1: else that people need to think of if they're making this film? Yeah, well, I, I think now more than ever, it's is, is this an international story, right? I mean, for example football, American football, is huge in America and it's nothing everywhere, right. almost everywhere else in yeah. the world, right? So you may have the greatest football story ever, but if it needs A-listers in it and all, like, it's it's going to have an audience in the US and that's going to be it. And that's just not how studios think anymore. They, they're they they're thinking about an, a global, how's this going to do in Korea and Japan and Italy and uh, Saudi Arabia? And so we need to have stories that have international appeal. If you're going to do it at a big, high dollar, you really have to think through who's the audience uh, for this. Is it a U.S. thing or is it a mm. worldwide thing or is it just an Australian story? Mm-hmm. Um, and then have a budget uh, and make choices that are, that are based on that. So mm. you, you, if you're going to tell just an Australian story that's really only going to resonate in Australia and New Zealand... Well, you can't have things blowing up, and you can't, probably can't go to space, <laughs> right? Right. And uh, you know, you just can't have a, a big period drama because yeah. it's just going to be too expensive, yeah. and it's never, never, never going to sell. Yeah.
0: So they're great points. I mean, be thinking internationally, be thinking about the size of your movie uh, in regards to the audience. How how do you know as a filmmaker who your audience is? How do you know if your story is going to resonate with? A female group, you know, above fifty, or
1: with millennials. I think it's talking about your story with friends and family, and seeing who's engaged in it and and who's glossing over pretty quickly. Right. Uh, Look, I I have an entire marketing team, uh, and I I tell them all the time that you basically have about eight seconds to pitch what it is, and if you can't pitch it in eight seconds, you've probably already lost the audience. right? Especially in a busy, compromised world where we're all just so, have so many assaulting messages coming at us from a million different directions, that if it's not catching on quickly, if it takes you 10 minutes to explain what your what your movie is, or your doc is, or your TV show is, then it's probably not going to work. You also have to be cognizant of what platform you're even going after, right? So if you've got a great idea for a netflix series and it's about 80 year olds well (laughs) 80 year olds aren't on netflix right right they're not there and so by definition the netflix people are gonna be like yeah it's not for us not interested right or if you've got some really gritty horror movie and you're trying to get it on christian television like that's not who the that's not what the audience is right just not there so it's it's really knowing, and you know, especially now that the amount of platforms and networks and all of these things—they keep all shrinking down to be sort of specialized into. Uh, We're the military channel, or whatever. Like, they're not going to talk about non-military stories, right. <laughs> right? So, there's probably only a limited number. They're such—they're such, they're so specialized. You got to know who your buyer is, and and just know that, like, if I go to Hallmark. They're not interested in anything that's not probably for middle-aged and older women. Just not. They won't be interested in the football movie. Right. Right. No matter how you slice it, unless it's the woman behind football, right, yeah. who made him great. Yeah. With her love.
0: Yeah. And forgiveness. <laughs> you're doing the voiceover
1: for it now. Right. Aren't right. It? Right. I mean, that's you know that's, you yeah. you have to know who, yeah. who you know which, who who you're pitching this to yeah. when you're when you're selling yeah. it um, because they're thinking about their audience. For sure, their yeah. age, their demographics—that's that's what they're thinking about.
0: It's fascinating. Uh, what's um, just final question? You know, what's one of the biggest lessons you've learned working in this industry?
1: Just one? Yeah, just
0: one. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, one of the biggest and hardest lessons for me to learn um, throughout this process of doing all this—it is it doesn't matter w- where it is on the spectrum of being involved in in making film or making television is it's relational. You need friendships and support. You just need to nurture that and develop that because you can think to yourself, well, I'm the director and I've got this thought in my head, except you need lighting guys and sound guys. And, uh, you know, financiers and people to market it. And like, you need all these people. So you might be good at and have a great idea and be uber talented, but you need all of these other elements to work. I mean, Steven Spielberg is an incredibly talented guy. Steven Spielberg does not cut his own trailers and his own commercials. There are people who are better at that than him, and he has to entrust that. Uh, to them, and he needs a whole village of people to help him make his dream come true. To make a successful piece of content that you want to tune into and stay with from beginning to end is really hard, right? Think, think, of, watch it next time you're watching a TV show or um, a film like that's that's just so-so, right? When do you dip out? When do you go ah? Eh. I play this game with myself when I go to see, I I screen a lot of movies early, and I play a game with myself, which is I look at my watch just before the movie starts, and then I look at it again the first time I'm watching this movie, and I have the urge to dig in my pocket and see what the text was that I got, or to check Facebook, or whatever it is. How far into it, the most successful content, you don't even want to, right? Right. You don't want to leave the world that you're in. Um, It's really hard and you're going to need a lot of people all along the way from the beginning of your career all the way to the uh, pinnacle of your career. So don't burn bridges. Don't burn bridges. Be humble, help people, because they're going to need you too. It's just, that's how it's going to be.
0: John, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes and our YouTube channel to make sure you get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And you can also follow us on social media at Hillsong Film TV. And just a quick shout out and thank you to my co-producer and the man behind the desk, Josiah New. And I look forward to being with you again next time on the Hillsong Film and TV podcast.